0: Chapter Two of A Queen by Ottilie Wildermuth, translated by Unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther Ben Chapter Two, Going Out in the World. Many pleasant years passed for those who lived at the farm, and Maggie, still poor Maggie, the charity child, when Lisa or the mother spoke of her to those before whom they wished to appear of importance had grown to be a pretty, bright-looking, active girl, with her clear, honest eyes still undimmed, and her skilful hand still more useful and handy. She was a neat, delicate, pretty girl, and even when sent to sweep out the stable or scatter manure in the field, was far more refined and ladylike in her appearance than many a rich girl in the ballroom. A little queen she was indeed, although the willing servant of the whole family, The farmer did nothing that he wanted particularly well done without her advice. The mother unhesitatingly left house and barn to her care whenever a christening or a church festival tempted her from home. The servants all loved her, for she shrunk from no kind of work, took her share willingly of all that was to be done, and never got angry at their blunders. And to poor old Granny, who was now seldom able to leave her little room, she was a ministering angel. There was not one in the house that looked upon her unkindly, not one who was not willing to be her subject. Lisa, too, had grown to be a tall, stout girl, and was very anxious to be considered pretty. It was no fault of her own if she was not admired, for she wore the most brightly colored handkerchiefs pinned around her neck, and hung herself about with ribbons and collars, and all other kinds of finery in great abundance. But it was, as everybody said, of no use, when she strutted about on Sundays with her new red calico gown. The boys followed her and cried, "'Fire!' while Maggie, in her short, homespun skirt and black bodice, the clean linen chemisette, and little black quilted cap, looked a thousand times more beautiful. In every movement, Lisa was awkward and clumsy, and more than once heard it whispered, "'The young lady is not half so well-looking or genteel as the maid.' Maggie never went to the dance, but Lisa did very often, and was always asked, "'Why did you not bring your pretty maid with you?' It made her very angry to be questioned in this way, as if she were going out in the company of a charity girl. Nor was that her only annoyance. Maggie had so pleasant a face, such agreeable manners, and so ladylike an air that people were always taking her for the daughter of the house, even though Lisa stood there, dressed out in her gayest finery. All this vexed Lisa beyond description. She hated Maggie, and did all she could to harm her, and to be hated by anyone is a gnawing worm to a warm heart however undeserved the hatred may be. With George the case was entirely different. He had become a fine-looking young man, and an excellent farmer, but he was very still and reserved, and used as few words as possible. He was not old enough to marry, and his father was very desirous that he should bring into the house some rich and important farmer's daughter. But he was resolved to do no such thing, no matter how often his father took him to the different houses in the neighborhood, or how much vexed they seemed to be at his delay at last he said to his mother in confidence mother i will do nothing will bring no wife into the house without your consent but go where i will i see nobody to compare with maggie so lively so industrious so sensible and sweet-tempered i know well that it would not be proper to marry her but as long as i cannot find another like her i should prefer not to marry The more innocent Maggie was, the more angry were the parents that the poor girl should be the means of preventing her son from taking a wife suitable to his wealth and position. Lisa saw it all, and, stupid as she was about other things, she was cunning enough to keep her father and mother in a state of constant excitement. Indeed, she was the most interested person in the whole matter, and managed to insinuate herself into the good graces of everyone, or at least tried to, even with poor old Granny, who she was very much afraid Was going to make maggie her heir and whom she tried in every way to convince that there would be no peace in the house as long as that girl remained in it maggie soon saw how matters stood that the feelings of all were changed towards her and she saw too the reason it was not her nature to live in the midst of strife as long as there was any way of escaping from it and she began to think what way should be one very fine sunday Granny sat once more in the garden, and Maggie was reading the Bible to her. It was a story of Abraham, how the Lord gave him the command, Go out from thy country and thy people, and to a land which I will show unto thee. Maggie let the book fall upon her lap as she asked, What do you think, Granny? If I should go out from my people and my country, will the Lord lead me to the place where I ought to go? What do you mean, Maggie? asked the old woman alarm. You do not mean to go away? "'I don't know,' replied Maggie. "'I don't know where I should go, but the lady in the town to whom I carry butter knows a very nice service for me, and I thought I had better take it than stay here, and that everything is so changed.' And she began to cry. "'You are right, poor child, everything is changed. Old and stupid as I am, I can see that,' said Granny. "'But it is no fault of yours, and you are quite right to go instead of staying here, to be domineered over by everybody.' "'What will become of me when you are gone, only God knows. "'But I know very well why they want to drive you away from me. "'Only they will find themselves mistaken.' "'When the farmer and his wife heard of Maggie's resolution, "'they were much alarmed, for well they knew that they could get no one to supply her place, "'her watchful eye and skillful hand could not easily be replaced. "'At first they rated her soundly as a most ungrateful girl, "'for leaving those who had done so much for her, and praised her, as they said, out of the dust. After thinking longer of it, however, they concluded that it was best she should go, and freely gave her their consent. When the day came for her to leave, it seemed as if everything were forgotten, and the whole farm was a scene of grief, as though they were all taking leave of a dear friend. The younger children clung, screaming to her skirts, and would not quit their hold. The mother was constantly thrusting something into her bundles, ample folds of fine linen or some dried fruit lest she should get hungry on her way, and thus she sought to conceal her grief and express her love. Stephen and his son George had taken leave of her early in the morning, before they went into the field. But under pretense that he had forgotten something, the farmer came back again, and as he again shook hands with her, he slipped some money into her fingers and said, There, that is for a keepsake. And if things do not go well with you, just come back again, at any hour, by night or by day you know that here is your home. The farm servant and the maid, for since Maggie had grown up, they kept but one, wept with the rest. Only Lisa remained gladly in her room, and that parting hardly gave Maggie her hand, while the latter bid her adieu with these words, Forgive me, Lisa, if at any time I have done you any harm, do not remember it against me. The last thing Maggie did was to run off to the room where poor old Granny sat. The most sorrowful of all, I shall not be here long after you are gone, said the poor old woman. Trust in God, Maggie, as you have always done. He will take care of you. Granny said, Maggie, I want you to make me a promise. Well, and what is it? demanded the old lady. Well, Granny, I know that you have some little money, and that you want things to go well with me in this world. But if you have had it in your mind to leave any of your money to me when you die, I beg earnestly that you won't do it. I'll take it just as kindly as if you had. But I beg you, Granny, grant my request if you love me. And you do, don't you, Granny? You little goose, said Granny, never in my life did I hear anyone ask such a thing. Now, you are young and strong, to be sure, but if you live as long as I have, the time will come when you will be very glad to have a little laid by. If I work as long as I am able, and pray as I ought to God, He will not let me starve, nor leave me to beg when I am old that I am very sure of. They shall never have it to say that I took care of you, and treated you kindly for the sake of what you had to leave. Yes, yes, you are not so wrong after all, and it shall be as you say, replied Granny. But tell me, beside a little bit of pride, you've got that queen in your head yet, haven't you? Girl, don't let yourself be tempted by the evil one, and do nothing with those great folks' thoughts of yours that you are so full of. "'If God has anything wonderful in store for me,' said Maggie, with the crimson blood rushing to her face, "'he himself will find a way to bring it out. He won't leave me to look for it.'" "'So, so,' murmured the old woman to herself, "'so, so she has not forgotten it yet. "'Look here, Maggie,' she added aloud, "'I won't leave you anything, if you would rather have it so. But there is my little book with the silver clasp. That I will give you to remember me by. It was given me a long, long time ago by my mother.' but i don't need it any longer there is one verse that i have marked and turned down for you to think of when all those thoughts about great folk come into your head for it tells me about the right kind of greatness you taught me maggie though you were a little child and i a grown-up woman how to go to my savior and for it if for nothing else may his blessing rest ever upon you may the peace that i have found through your teachings be yours forever maggie read the verse marked down Grant, Lord, unto my prayers a royal noble soul, a regal heart such as beseems, one who is wedded to thy cross, a heart that spurns what earth esteems, most rich and great, as naught but draws. This she read over and over again, and it went to her heart. She went away loaded with Granny's blessings and good wishes. The children accompanied her to the bounds of the farm. Then they all took leave of her, and she went on, alone she had not gone far though when under a tree she saw george waiting for her but quite unable to say a word for his tears he could only hold out his hand to her maggie's heart was as full as his god bless you george be a good son to your father and mother said she and passed on but when with her little heart bursting with sorrow she came to the town gate and was striving to make her way through the crowd that was pouring into it she was quite surprised to hear all the bells ringing loudly she could not imagine the reason of it, for it was not a church day, and she thought that perhaps there was a wedding. But the sound of the bells filled her with trust. There is one God over us all, said she, and a church everywhere, so one is never alone. And calmly, as though she knew just what awaited her, and was quite contented to meet it, the little queen entered her new kingdom. End of chapter two